Welcome everyone to the Lived Experience Series with the Turnaround Project. Today I'm joined by Damien Quinn, Regeneration Coordinator at Galway Rural Development Agency. Welcome to the podcast, Damien. Thanks, Michael, and thanks for inviting me on. Um, I'm really interested in what you guys are doing in the Turnaround Project. It's a, a wonderful movement, so great yeah. to talk to you, LinkedIn. Yeah, fantastic, Damien. And uh, I basically came across you, and, and we'll speak about sort of Spear Nua and, and Galway Rural Development as we move through the podcast. But I actually listened to another podcast that you appeared on, um, with Dr. Joe and Unlocking Potential, hosted out of the Main Youth University. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a great movement that, uh, that the Unlocking Potential thing is brilliant, yeah. And um, I was on that with my employer, uh, Pat Callanan, in, in a previous role. It was a, He's a property sales uh, agent, and I worked with him for an, a, a while. And obviously, Siobhan Cafferty was on it as well. And yeah, yeah. It was, it's really, really good to see this college looking at ways of enabling people like us to get access to education. Yeah, no, I've I've uh, I've reached out to Joe sort of post listening to that podcast, and fingers crossed, Hember, one of the members of his team, is is going to be part of that um, collaborative that that meets sort of in in Dublin next month, and obviously you're part of that, Damien. Yeah, that's a huge, huge thing as well. Like, you know, an All-Ireland kind of focus on the challenge of re-entry and sharing ideas and that type of thing. I'm excited about meeting you all in person as well. Like, you know, it's been a it's been a tough two years. Like, and in fact, I don't think we've actually ever kind of found ourselves in a situation where we're all in the same room rather than the same Zoom, you know. So it'll be nice to actually relax and, and get to know each other a little better in that in that setting, so. Yeah, I'm really looking. I'm really looking forward to it as well, Damon. Now, just just for the listeners, can you tell everyone what your day to day involves in terms of um, Galway Rural Development? Yeah, well, Galway Rural Development is uh, an organisation. It's a local development company, so there's local development companies all across Ireland, and they form a part of the Irish Local Development Network. And basically, they offer a range of supports, such as leader support, uh, SICAP support, that's the Social Inclusion Community Activation Program. There's TUS and RSS programs as well. And uh, they're very community-orientated, and uh, my particular role is around kind of providing training supports to social enterprises and uh, idea generation uh, workshops, that type of thing. And ultimately, I'm kind of helping people from marginalized communities, a community where I hail from. So it's great to be able to give back. It's something I've always wanted to do and really glad to get the opportunity to do it now. Yeah, fantastic. Now, you mentioned uh, social enterprise and uh, I've accessed uh, a piece of research or your dissertation you submitted to the University College of Cork. I'm just going to read out the title. It's called Spear Anua, New Horizon, Life after prison for the reformed individual, opportunities or barriers. Mm. Yeah. Now we can we can dive into this um, in a second, Damon. But I thought that I would read out part of the prologue because not only did I find it very, um, but I actually thought that that those with sort of lived experience of the criminal justice sector could reflect and put yourself in your shoes quite mm, quickly. Yeah. 
So this is what I found ex- extremely interesting. I thought it actually set the scene for the whole piece. This is a caveat from the, the one-page prologue. Okay. This was the day that he was waiting for. The cell door opened and the officer stood there telling him that he was to be released today. The ex- excitement of being free to move on with his life was hard to suppress. He regrets the trouble and hurt he caused. He wants to make amends and he wants to conform. He has ambitions. He has a newfound motivation developed from his educational achievements, as challenging as they were. His habits and addictions overcome with thanks to the awareness courses attended and the internal support structure of the Irish Prison Service. As the gates opened and he was free to walk out and move on with his life in a constructive manner, he was determined that nothing will hold him back. That was until he realised that who he would be taking something with him, something that will stay with him as a constant reminder, wherever he goes and whatever he does. He will always be identified as an offender, a criminal. Maybe he is not as free as he likes to think. He is, and that his ambitions will only ever be his dreams. Now, I thought that was a very profound piece. And obviously, the real impetus for you starting Spiranua in terms of a concept idea, and I dreaming it now into some type of reality, was formed a number of years ago when you returned, obviously, to Ireland from living in England. So do you want to take me back and we can start to thread this whole story together, Damien? Yeah, well, it actually, you that was the first time I've actually heard anybody read that back. But it brought me uh, brought me straight to that feeling again. Like, you know, um, the, the, the background journey is a, a journey where I, I suppose I never really felt like I fitted in anywhere. Like we were Irish growing up in England and that presented its own challenges. You know, like there was a bit of bullying and fighting because I was Irish kind of thing. And then when we were about 15, we moved here to Ireland and then it was the opposite. So there was a bit of bullying around being uh, English in Ireland, like, and there, there was no, yeah, there was no way I was going to take that one on the chin, you know. So um, obviously, then it led to like uh, instances of violence, dropped out of school, uh, family unit broke down, that type of thing, and uh, it was just then, <laughs> it was just then, me and my brother at the age, my my middle brother at the age of um, fifteen and fourteen, living alone. So. Uh, at that time, then, like, um, I was working full-time, uh, but I was using and stuff like that, and um, the work wasn't... The work kind of covered the bills in the house, that type of thing, but the, the addiction was getting bigger and bigger, and I had to go into kind of uh, dealing to kind of support my addiction and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I don't know... You, yes? So you were actually... Just to take you back a couple of steps, you were were you the main car in the house for the brother? Where was where was the parents yeah. at the stage? Yeah, yeah. The, the, well, we 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 had challenges, let's say, at that yeah. time. And yes, yes, it was just myself and my brother. Um, so I was uh, responsible for the household. I remember about eight months into that situation, um, social services called out, and it was one of these moments where. I got on. I got onto one of these cleaning buzzers the night before. It stoned out my head, and I cleaned the house from top to bottom. And it was actually the the day they called was payday, 
and I had been down to do the shopping at that stage and it was all in and put away. And they knocked on the door and I remember the fires were lit, the house was immaculate, the cupboards were full, so I brought them in and I gave them the tour. And I just said, look, guys, I said, there's the front door. I said, I haven't needed you for the last eight months. I don't need you now. And uh, that was the one and only kind of uh, meeting with uh, social services. But the younger the younger brother was in, uh, uh, he was in a, an alternative to mainstream education, let's say. Yeah. And he was attending and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so like, you know, I suppose being lucky enough to have a job uh, at the time kept us from being separated, you know, and um, it's just so, the way it panned out, you know. But Yeah, so um, so you were you were paying the bills, you were keeping the roof over your head, you, know, you were keeping the fires lit and, and everything sort of going. And then yeah. you, sort of, you, you sort of started, um, was it experimenting with drugs or was, was drugs more of a lease for you? Tell me about the how that sort of started the material. Well, it was. Yeah, it was an experiment. I remember the first time I took it, like, and um, I knew, like, my heart was racing and everything. I knew it was something I shouldn't be doing, but when I done it, then, like, um, I just kind of loved the feeling of kind of getting out of uh, out of uh, where I was at. You know, it was kind of my attention was diverted by it, let's say, and I fell in love with it, and I fell in love with the feeling of it, and all that kind of stuff, and that was the only thing that really motivated me. Now. I still held down jobs and stuff like that, but um, I was bouncing around from jobs to jobs. I was doing what I was doing on the side and the guards were on my case quite a bit as well. And, you know, employers were kind of aware of that and it led to losing jobs as, in some instances. But um, ultimately what happened was uh, there was a point where um, I kind of wanted something better and yeah. I, and, uh, work had kind of dried up and stuff like that. So um, I was kind of finding myself before the courts and all that type of thing. So I reached out to a probation project and uh, signed up to do my junior certificate at the age of 23. And um, I was doing really, really well in that project and stuff like that. But um, I wasn't fully committed to change. I had decided I wanted to change, but I wasn't, I wasn't committed to it. So, um, I was still doing what I was doing while I was in there, and I do regret the fact that I could have made a, I could have made um, more out of the opportunity that centre gave me. Yeah, that being, right. yeah, but so, that being said, go on. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so you're you've moved through sort of the the latter part of your teens into your adult life, obviously with the with the younger brother. You've had mm. one visit from social services. You're jumping between job to job because. Um, the, the use of, of drugs is obviously um, determining outcomes in terms of either attendance, punctuality, or your your productivity while on jobs. And then you've you've saw this um, probation program. You thought this is something that I could get involved with. You're age twenty three. You wanted to do your junior cert. Having le- I'm assuming you left school with no educational qualifications. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was out of school by the age of fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. And then you saw this as a potential pathway to sort of uh, opportunities or better things, but that that not even that lifestyle, but that sort of um, use of, of drugs was still clawing at you and trying to pull you back. Yeah, well, like uh, yeah, it was it was um, 
it was something I wasn't fully ready to give up all of that either, you know. And uh, yeah. I suppose, I suppose, when it all came to a head, then like you know, I I realized then when it was too late, and uh, found myself before the courts and all that kind of stuff, and then ultimately prison. Now I know you just said I kind of skimmed past a lot of my early early teens to mid twenties kind of thing, but. To be honest with you, I, it was a skim. Like you know, like I was, I spent a lot of time kind of um, caught up in addiction to different drugs and all that kind of stuff. And to be honest with you, it was it was a period of my life that just flew past me. And uh, a period of my life, I wish I I used it used it a bit better than the way I was. So yeah. So you've mentioned you've came to the attention of of, of the guards, um, yeah. and that was that was going to lead to. Um, uh, time spent within the sort of um, the justice system. What, what age mm. were you then, Damien? Well, when when it all came to a head, I was twenty four. Like I got caught with um, I got caught with cannabis and that type of thing, and um, so like I was, yeah, I was in jail. Then by that by around that age, two thousand and six, and then uh, I got out in two thousand and nine. Now was there was the, a period. Of- uh, what was the sentence in terms of time imposed? Three years in all, in like uh, that's how long I've done at the time. Right. In terms of the regime, um, the the you had done anything like that before. I hadn't, but you know the the life I was living outside. It was um, it had got to the stage where it was a completely miserable existence after getting caught. You know, you lose all your friends, family, all that kind of thing. Your house. Nobody wants to know kind of feeling. Prison was something I was looking forward to because I couldn't wait to get in and get on and and, and uh, get away from uh, the disruption I caused to my life at that time, you know, so. I can hear how you wanted to turn sort of a lot of that sort of negative um, in terms of people's views on you, pain, sort of the hurt, and, and obviously the destruction that, that, that you said you've obviously... Um, driven and, and obviously played a huge part in, in terms of um, your life um, outside of the of the prison walls. Tell, tell me about that, that time sort of within, how did you sort of get through your day? Was it purposeful activities? Was it education? Was there people? Can you tell me about that, that process, Damien? Yeah, well, I had been aware before I went for the big sentence, uh, like from short stays in prison or whatever, that there was... Um, a really good education unit in there and you know yeah. um like i rationalized in my head before i got sent away do you know what let's make the most of this time and get an education and um the first thing i did when i was committed was i signed up to the education unit and asked for a place and um i also signed up to the commute the computer workshops and i used to do a bit of the prison admin and all that stuff believe <laughs> it or not <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and um, then outside of that, then you have the gym and the yard, like, you know, so um, I kind of fill my day with, like, in the morning, I go to the computer workshop, in the afternoon, I go to the education unit, and in the gym then, it was a choice of the yard, or sorry, in the evening, it's a choice of the yard and the gym, so uh, that's how I kind of fill my days in there, now, you know yourself, like, in in a, in a prison environment, like, you'd imagine the days would drag, but... It was that structured regime. The days flew, and um, like you'd be, you'd be locked up. You'd be let out in the morning, breakfast, do what you do back in dinner at twelve o'clock. Have you have a sleep or whatever? Back out again two to four, and then back out 
half five to half seven, like so. Then once you kick out your door for the evening, that's it. Like your day is over, you know. So, um, yeah. so it was a good regime. Like it was a it was a good regime, and it gave it gave a space I needed to kind of uh, make a plan for a better future. I always say that about prison. It was it was a really really good space to kind of. Uh, Reflect on what you had done. Reflect on what you have lost. Reflect on what you do better, and plan for a fresh start. And yep. that's how I use. That's how I use the time. So, so um, at that stage, Damien, had you any idea in terms of um, what what you wanted to do, sort of post release, in terms of work for the training, or or what was what was the plan in terms of? I leave these gates behind. And I... I had a real, I like I done a lot of uh, business studies in prison, like so, uh, like I done like a, a business award, a FITAC level five business award, and then I done like an open university course uh, in business studies as well, an introduction to it, and I done a couple of um, Microsoft and all that kind of stuff. So I envisaged myself working in an office, you know. Um, um, in, in developing a career, a, co- a corporate kind of a career, you know, because uh, I had the, the the skills picked up in prison to to pursue something like that, you know. But um, when I got out, then uh, it was uh, all that kind of uh, desire, uh, ambition, and determination was kind of wiped from underneath me because um, the label always outweighed everything else that I did uh, right, you know. So. Um, that was so, a really, really hard thing to deal with. Yeah. Tell me about that experience, Damon, because I, I know, obviously, in terms of uh, those records spent and, uh, you know, carry those labels and, and that stigma, and they're, they're obviously all about tra- trying to challenge people's perceptions in terms of, uh, you know, I'm more than my past, so to speak. So how did, how did you sort of find that whole engagement in terms of the, the employer's world and, and trying to get access or get a foot on, on any kind of ladder in terms of your your, your record? Well, there was, a, there was a really good organization called IASIO that were working with me. Now, they were fairly new. IASIO is the Irish Association for Social Inclusion Opportunities. But um, they did the best with, they did the best they could with what they had at the time, you know, um, but that the best that they could offer me or help me get was kind of um, a, a backward step as was my own view into level three and level four again. Like, and I had done all this education in prison that was way ahead of that, like, you know, and I was thinking it was just a backward step. So all of that desire, focus, determination, everything kind of just slowly started fading away. I, I started a business with a, another prisoner and uh, it was a, it was a, an entertainment guide uh, for Galway. It was like, um, it was a magazine we were going to put on the trains coming down from Dublin and you'd be able to read about Galway. There were captive audiences and that's who'd be reading the magazine, like, you know, so um, unfortunately he disappeared then when we, were, when we had it up and running. So, so yeah, so there was, a, and, and then you were knocking on doors as well. On top of that, you were looking for work and you were getting a lot of no's, no's, no's. You'd, you'd get past certain instances in the interview process where you do the aptitude test, nail it. You do your health and fitness test, nail it. They'll tell you, the, the job description would say you'll get eight weeks training in this role. You don't need to know anything about it. 
but Garda vetting will apply. So when you get to that piece and the Garda vetting thing lets you down, like it's not that you needed to know anything about the role and the job or anything, because they've already said on the advert they'll train you. But once the vetting comes up, then you don't hear from them again. So yeah, and that was really. Did you uh, did you relocate? Did you rehearse? How did that hold? sort of pan out for you in terms of um, uh, re-entering society or community again? I had a re-entry plan in place. It was um, I was to go to the adjoining uh, rehab centre to Castle Ree, so uh, Harrison House was there. It was, uh, it was like a, a drug treatment centre kind of thing at the end of my sentence. But the Christmas just before I was getting out, I remember I was watching the news and um, funding was withdrew for that centre, so it was closing. So my re- my re-entry plan changed and um, I decided that I didn't want to go home uh, because there was certain shame attached to and disappointment. Uh, I felt, you know, like I'd let down an awful lot of people and that type of thing and I wanted to go away, make a life for myself and come back when I'm fully sorted kind of thing. That yeah. was the notion. But um, the worst thing I, I could ever have done was relocate. I, I remember I got the map of Ireland and I fired a felt a pen at it and it hit off loan. So I said, I'll go there. And um, <laughs> that, really was, that really was strategic in terms of planning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, ultimately, like, you know, I was getting out with nothing and nowhere to go to. Yeah. So I could have picked anywhere, like, really, you know, I still have the same problem. But. Um, uh, it, it kind of worked out in a sense because they were kind of working towards getting me into college and all that kind of stuff. But I remember um, we actually had a meeting in the college and the whole vetting thing came up and never heard from them again. And uh, so that one, the, you know, the, the the continuity from inside to outside, there, there was none, you know, uh, there wasn't. So um, it was really hard to stay focused and determined and all that kind of stuff uh, when you're kind of up against a lot of no's. You're, not, you're feeling kind of vulnerable. You, you know, you're not overly resilient. And um, I ended up going back backwards, backwards really quickly and back into the life I was trying to escape. Yeah, and that, that was going to be my next question. Um, how, did, how did that make you feel? Did, you, did that obviously play on your mental health? Did it sort of play on your thoughts? And your mind, and then obviously, did you turn to any type of addiction to sort of support yourself, given all that motivation, that impetus, and, and that courage to do something was slowly being ebbed away? Exactly, yeah. So, like, uh, I suppose the self worth piece, um, it started, it, it started to diminish. Let's say, like, I, I remember, I was, I remember walking out of the gates of prison, walking down, I was walking beside the governor, uh, uh, the fellow that was letting me out. Let's say. And I remember how I felt like I was beaming, like I was really, really positive. I had great plans. I was going to hit the ground running. You know, everything had I had I had used my time to the best of my ability, and um, I had great plans for my my fa- myself, my family, for for the people around me. You know, and then it just all disappeared. Really, like when you when you when you go get outside, you know, it's like you're you, it's like standing on a landmine, you know, you 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 have all the security in prison, you know, you know where you are from from any given day and all that kind of thing. You know, you have a routine in place and all that. You don't have to worry about bills, accommodation, any of that thing. And then all of a sudden, bang, you're, you don't have that anymore. And you have to start from scratch. You know, it was, it's such a challenge really when you think yeah. about it. Well, I, you, you need to acknowledge that, that, 
you know, not getting back to prison at that stage was a real success, even though you were you, you, you were obviously facing all these other external factors that were pressing down on you um, at every juncture. So wh- where did that lead them? And you mentioned you were sort of starting to, you know, fall back in your old ways. Was was that leading in terms of, um, you know, hit, hitting rock bottom, no way out? How did, how did, you, um, how did you manage that process? Yeah, well, I got that kind of in over my head with everything again. It wasn't just the police that was looking for me. It was everybody else as well. (laughs) But I wasn't, I didn't pick up any charges or anything like that. But um, um, I got into a situation where, you know, I count my lucky stars every now and then because um, I I made a point of kind of alienating anybody that enabled me. And the way I did that was by pissing them off, like, uh, let's say, and um, and then I just got out of Dodge then for a while. And um, even that was a challenge in itself because, you know, it happened like with all the external pressures um, and, and the drug use and uh, psychosis, drug induced psychosis started uh, setting in. I was paranoid enough about everything that was going on. And and and, and I suppose the drug, the drug use made it a million times worse. Yeah. And uh, I found myself in uh, dealing with trying to escape. Uh, drug-induced psychosis, and that took a, geez, that took a good six to eight months, roughly. And, and is, it, is this is this before you? So you're you're fighting the, sort of in a part of the country you're not familiar with. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So like this, a lot of this happened in England. I came home then, and I went into a, a, a psychiatric unit for a while to kind of. Um, uh, medicate medicate for a while, and what happened then was then once I kind of started coming around to myself, I went home, and then all of a sudden I was around people that I knew and that I cared about, and that I didn't want to hurt again, and then then that was the beginning of kind of the pathway to progression from there, because like when I was away from home, let's say. I didn't know anybody and nobody knew me and, and, and I was accountable to nobody. So um, that individual like is reckless really because um, you're liable to do kind of really anything, you know? And uh, when I moved home then, like I knew that the people around me that knew me best would know if I was up to no good and they'd keep me in check and that type of thing. So moving home was the beginning of a much better life. And uh, from there, that's where I started from. That, yeah. I'm starting to form around you again in terms of protective factors. You mentioned pathways to progression. So, how did those steps start for you again once you had returned home? And turn- was it was it college you were interested in? Was it was it enterprise? Was it self employment? Or was it just I need to get a job ASAP? Yeah, well, I was I, I had got to the stage where I had given up looking for work because I couldn't get work anywhere. So um, um, I filled my days with kind of, um, you know, uh, walks, long walks, a bit of fitness and exercise, you know, that type of thing. Um, then all of a sudden, then one day I was reading the local paper and I read an advert for a new third level course in my area in Tume. And it was uh, with Equal Ireland. It was a, a, a business and community development course. So I had an interest in business studies from prison, and um, I signed up to it ba- on, on, the, on the basis of that, like, you know. I didn't know, really know much about community development at the time, but um, that 
became my focus. And like I signed up to that and then I, I, I started reading about community development and within a month after signing up then I fell in love with that side of it because I had that desire to give back, you know, and this was this was a perfect way to kind of start looking at how I would do that, you know. So um that was that was the baby step. Now, just before I signed up to that as well, I had got rid of the medication and stuff like that, and I just binned it, like you know. And I was thinking clearly, and uh, I was uh, I had found something to uh, concentrate on, and um, things started to improve slowly from there. Then, so yeah, obviously the walking, the fitness, the, the sort of the well, the health aspect. You're starting to gain a bit of clarity. You're getting some focus in terms of um, what you might want to do, and you've you've really zoned in, obviously, on on this course and this 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 potential avenue you want to progress, which is education. How long was that course? What level was it? And how did you progress from that that course? Well, as, uh, the, the, I joined that course in 2011, and I'm still studying the area, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, it was at level six, and um, then we moved on to level seven and level eight, and that was all with um, Equal Ireland. And they are a charitable trust um, that provide uh, third level educational opportunities for those that have missed out on them previously. So I obviously fit into that category. But um, shortly after starting, shortly after starting the level six, um, I got a job in a. a I was able to say I got a job for a friend um, in a distribution company and I was able to say on my CV I was studying a third level rather than you know the, the big gap kind of thing yeah and uh, and um, I believe in that job then in the distribution company um, I was able to kind of um, I, I climbed the ladder in that so I went from like a, a, a floor person to a supervisor then to a night manager and then I was planning distribution routes across Connacht for the company. So like I was doing level six, six, seven and eight with the link. And um, um, what happened then was I said, you know, like nights and that, we, my, myself and my partner, we wanted to start try, trying for a child. Mm-hmm. And she wanted, we wanted to be at home together at nighttime, you know, not working nights and that type of thing. So I started looking for work again. Now, at this stage, I said, you know, I'll have a good chance to get into the sector I want to get into now. I've yeah. been working for a number of years as a manager in a distribution company. I've done my ordinary degree and my uh, honours degree in uh, business and social enterprise and leadership and management. So I, I thought I was in great shape, you know, going to work again. It was the same old story, like, you know, it all always reverted back to what I'd done way back then. And um, I really got, to be honest with you, and excuse my language, I kind of got really fucked off with it. And uh, the, the, the um, you know, all the education and everything seemed pointless. I felt like I was after spending thousands and thousands of euros on an education I couldn't use. And yeah. um, I, got, I got really, really demotivated. But... Um, one job came up, and that uh, and you refer to the podcast, and I, I hope I hope people tune into it on the Unlocking Potential podcast. I came across Pat Callan, and he's an auctioneer in Athen Rye, and um, it, it was the only day job that called me in for an interview, like out of the mall, and um, we had the interview. It was a good interview and all that, and um, he never asked any questions about criminal convictions. You know, I think I was the only fella. I was the only 
that applied for the job and the rest were women. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so it never entered his head to ask the women about criminal convictions, you know, and he never asked me. So, but I was away then. I had already booked holidays and I was away, say, the week after starting. And he was away the week I started. So when I came back then, he pulled me up and he said, what's all this about? Like he, he read about me online or whatever. I said, look, I said, Pat, I said, that conversation never came up. And I said, um, we can have it now. I said, um, you've only brought up a bit of it. I'll tell you the rest. And I told him everything. Like I said, this is what it was. I said, but the time you're referring to now is a decade ago. I said, since then. I said, um, I've got all this education. I've just come from a company where I was a night manager. You know, um, like I'm a completely different guy to that young fella uh, from all those years ago. Like, and uh, he just said, look, he said, I'm only letting you know I know, he said. And uh, he said, we all have things from our past that we're not so proud of and we'd like to forget about and move on from. And he said, you seem to know what you're doing, so let's give it a go. Like, and I worked with him for four years up until now, uh, up until I moved to this job back in November. And I was only into him there the other day for a cup of coffee and a chat, you know, where would you? He wasn't just an employer. He is now a friend, you know. So, um, um, you know, he was he was able to see past all them labels and all, you know, what he read. He was able to see me as a person today. Yeah. And I'll always, I'll always respect him for that. Yeah. And you, you, you'll find some employers will do that, Damien, um, given the opportunity. But as you say, you know, if, if it's the first thing on an application form that I call it the, the box of fear. Yeah. Do you have any former convictions spent or unspent? And then it's really, it's a catch-22 in what you do at that situation. Um, do, you, yeah. do you basically take uh, no and then take the opportunity to, if you're... Uh, if you're sitting down in front of the management team to try and explain and, and, and tell your story and you know, that was that was a different person. I am a different person. There's obviously been a, an identity shift in terms of who that person was to, to who's in front of you now, obviously articulating what they've done since release. And as you say, ten years is a decade and, and you've you've thrown yourself into education, other activities, you're trying to start a new obviously with a partner and the baby and you just want someone to give you an opportunity and Pat gave you that opportunity which I think is fantastic yeah yeah no in fairness to the guy he was brilliant like and Pat um, came on to a few talks with the Department of Justice and uh, obviously that one with unlocking potential and did other bits in with Siobhan Cafferty as well like he wrote a letter for her website um, working to change.ie and it's up there. My story's on it, but his letter is on it as well, like kind of as advice to other employers uh, to think about the skills the individual can bring rather than something that they've done all those years ago that they will never be able to change, you know. So um, oh, he, he is a good man and uh, like a great friend, as I said. Um, yeah. You mentioned obviously I've connected with and she's going to be part of this um this group we meet in, in Dublin in March yeah. and, and also working to change, which obviously she authored and was a, a big driver behind. Now, you, you played a role in that as well, Damien. Can you ex- explain to the listeners sort of what, what you did in terms of um, responses around that, that government strategy? Yeah, well, like we, um, first of all, Siobhan, uh, how I, I stumbled across Siobhan, remember I was saying I was going to walk away from education and um, 
I went to an open day at UCC uh, on a, a master's course in cooperatives and social enterprise. That's um, And I heard her story about, um, she wrote a paper around reintegrating ex- violent ex-offenders into the workforce. And straight away, like, obviously it resonated with me that. And uh, once I heard that, then I said, look, I'm signing up to this. I want to do it. I want to meet her kind of thing. And and I reached out to her then straight away, like, and at that time, she kind of planted uh, uh, the seed around certificates of employability in my head. Now, it made perfect sense at the time to me, and it was something that throughout my studies, I was going to try and uh, incorporate into what I was doing. Now, the working to change piece um, is, is, is a department of uh, justice-led strategy. Uh, and what that has is 46 recommendations around uh, social enterprise employment, direct employment and entrepreneurship. But um, Siobhan asked me to do like a, a first of its kind um, focus group for the Department of Justice where people at different stages of the criminal justice sector, let's say, some people going in, some people a long time out, some people kind of on bigger sentences, you know, like life sentences and some people on um, middle of the road sentences and, and men and women like, and we, 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 we discuss the uh, perceived barriers and real barriers and uh, what would make things easier when we were, when we were getting out to kind of progress. So that was a really interesting discussion. Now uh, we're, we're awaiting the outcome of all of that, but it was it was really really good to be able to uh, do that for them, and also at the launch of the strategy, um, uh, Helen McEntee opened up, and I spoke then after her about how I feel personally about the strategy, and uh, how I think it will improve the chances of people like me. Yeah. So that's that that launch is actually on the website as well if you if you want to watch it back, and, um, and look, just, it just really just, go ahead. Just for just for the listeners, Damien, because I need to obviously um, provide a bit of context to this. And she's the the minister for justice here in Ireland. So yeah, yeah. Which, which I think is fantastic. So so you've got the justice lived experience, who's really putting that sort of learned, lived and practiced, should we say, into use and and obviously following a minister's address in terms of a contribution to their government sh- strategy that the driving force behind, taking it on in terms of an end user voice or a service user discussion in terms of focus groups and that helping yeah. inform um, some of those recommendations, I think is, is, is the only way forward. And I hope <laughs> a number of other governments, including their own in this jurisdiction, take note. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, that's, that's a big deal now, in fairness. Like, you know, the Department of Justice are actively engaging with the people that are using the, the system or, or caught up in the system, asking them, how do we make it better? And that's an acknowledgement saying that, you know, we need we need to improve how we do things. And um, it is really, really forward thinking of the department to kind of engage at this level, you know, with us. And, um, you know, in fairness, it's an amazing strategy and they are amazing people that are involved in this. Uh, and and Siobhan is a legend as well. Like, you know, um, I, I have an awful lot of respect for that lady, so. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to sort of meeting her next month, Damien. I mean, so you mentioned the UCC, you mentioned Javon. I have 
set the context out at the start of the podcast around Spear and Nua and, and, and the rationale sort of around it in terms of New Hooray. What what's um for you, Damien where's it at at the moment in terms of its its concept from you know, dissertations have mentioned the, the Universal College of Court, the sort of life at present for it. Um, can you tell me a wee bit about that? Yeah, well, um, interestingly, you now we planted the, the seed to begin with around certificates of employability. That's just one area, like, so um, alongside my master's, I was doing a recognition of prior learning, mentoring and facilitation course. And recognition of prior learning is a process where experiential and unaccredited learning, like say in the job place or whatever, is assessed and valid and validated against learning outcomes of core courses. So um, when I heard how that process worked, I recognized that there is a there is a journey of recovery uh, and rehabilitation. Well, not rehabilitation, a journey of recovery and commitment to change that could also be uh, documented and assessed for its worth, you know. So um, when I seen the two of them things working together, I kind of came up with this notion of a certificate of commitment to change, which would be more universal. It wouldn't be just for employment. It would be for access into education. It would be for access to housing. It would be access to leaving the country or volunteering or coaching or you know, this particular certificate would be a nationally recognized safe pass for ex-offenders, you know, and it would be devised using the process of RPL, which is already recognized in an educational capacity. So, yeah, no, so, I think it's a fantastic, I read, obviously, I said the admit I'd read the dissertation, but for the listeners' perspective, I didn't want to give up. I think it's hmm. Amazing idea. Obviously, you're going to chat more about it when we meet on the uh, on yeah. the 11th of March, sort of in Dublin. Um, are you getting any? I suppose, support? yeah. So, so yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say there. So, uh, the big one of the big things that have happened since that, like you know, since the research and all that type of thing. Now, involved in the research, like we had prison governors, uh, Siobhan Caffney, we had probationers, we had care after prison, IASIO, we had um, pathways. Um, we, you know, it was there was uh, the Irish Penal Reform Trust as well, and Senator Lynn Ruan. They all kind of um, helped discuss the idea with me, and there was a an interview section with them all, which is uh, well worth a read if you get the chance, <laughs> and. Um, you know, where we got to then was like, I couldn't shake the idea, you know, like the research had set off this kind of, set a fire under my ass to kind of look at making it real because everybody that I interviewed could see the merit in what I was saying. So um, there was a link on Facebook. Now that link is live again today here in Ireland. Um, they've, they're doing a national call, Social Entrepreneurs Ireland, the Ideas Academy. So. I read I read their post on Facebook. Do you have a, an idea to solve a social issue? And looking at my own journey, I I know there's a lot of things that could be fixed to make it easier. You know, so I filled out the application form on Facebook and I sent them a, a message saying I'd love to talk to you about my idea. 
So when I did them, what happened was they contacted me and they said, um, would you like to pitch to get onto the Ideas Academy? So I had to develop a pitch and um, I I pitched it to them like it was a, a, a Zoom uh, call, three minute pitch. And then they offered me a place. So on, on the Academy and that was um, whittled down then to 15 places in the Western region. So. Uh, Life's Too Good Foundation are supportive of that. They're a big organization in, in Galway. And um, what happened at the end of that then was we went through a couple of programs like uh, uh, storytelling workshops, you know, validation workshops, um, you know, kind of teasing out your idea a little bit more. And uh, at the end of it, then we had a, an opportunity to pitch for seed funding. And I pitched and uh, they, they gave me seed funding to kind of develop a website and an internship program. And this website now is currently under construction and um, it will be a place in which people with convictions will be able to contact willing and engaging employers, you know, and uh, it will also have the, the tool uh, which is derived from RPL. And uh, it will be an online resource really for people like me to um, get access to um, a pathway quicker, you know, and uh, that's what it's all about, really. But yeah. Social Entrepreneurs Ireland have been amazing, and they've invited me back onto the Action Lab, and uh, there was an opportunity to pitch for funding at the end of that too. So it will all go towards kind of enabling people like me and you to get on when we get out, like you know. So it's really, really, I can't believe that we've we've got to this level. And um, I'm really proud of being able to give back this way. Yeah, well, you you should be proud of yourself first and foremost, Damien, because the 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 story uh, and the narrative in terms of of shifting um, identities and and putting yourself out there with courage and conviction to, to basically shape that narrative as you move forward. Um, knowledge that I mean, I for one am I'm grateful. That story that we've been in contact uh, over the past number of weeks and I'm, I'm so looking forward to meeting you face to face over the next sort of, um, three to four weeks but as as we as we close off obviously you've got very exciting plans for for spare and and um you know social enterprise ireland and, and the plans with those guys and you know having that that certificate certificate um of a Identification and recognition of, of prior learning um, in terms of lived experience and, and anyone's journey sort of within that. You know, what, what are you looking forward to over the next maybe two, three years with that project, Damien? Are, are you sort of embedding it? Are you, are you wanting to embed it within, within the Galway? Is it an all-Ireland approach? Is it, is it sort of a very focused in terms of, uh, you know, parts of, of, of Ireland or are you looking to move it sort of across and further afield in the sort of mainland UK etc? Yeah well uh, it will be starting here in, in Galway like uh, Galway will be the knowledge hub for the national rollout what I would like to do is kind of replicate myself in other parts of the country and uh, and get somebody trained to do the one-to-one -one work where we would kind of build the portfolio and then pass it on to be assessed to the guards to probation to the police or whoever and i also see it being uh, done in other parts of the world especially the uk i do link in with the forward trust and organizations like that over there and um, you know there, there is a gap, and like we are, well, a lot of a, a lot of the people that I've spoken to in probation and all that kind of stuff, they over 
analyze, you know, everything that's wrong with us and there is no mechanism in place to kind of look at all the good that is uh, to document all the good that has happened since that time. And this particular um, model that I'm proposing is exactly that. You know, it is it is an ongoing assessment model that looks at everything we're doing right now and everything that we're trying to achieve and uh, uh, portraying ourselves in a more positive life, light than we would be in an ordinary criminal conviction disclosure process. So, yeah, listen, I think that's and I think fantastic way to end the podcast can i wish you all the best with everything you're doing moving forward i look forward to engaging with you next month and if there's anything i can do sort of before or post sort of we meet in dublin you know where the phone is just reach out and if i can help you i will damien thank you michael yeah and i can't wait to kind of get get to meet you and collaborate with you guys because look listen you've been a fantastic guest enjoy the rest of your day and i look forward to seeing you soon Thank you. Bye now. Bye night. Bye bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. To find out more about the Turnaround Project and its social enterprises, Outwork and Big Loot Bikes, please visit our website. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves a second chance in reaching their potential.